Hello, and thank you for joining us today. I am Lila Glasso-Francis, President of the Board of the Carolyn Glasso-Bailey Foundation. And today I'm happy to bring you a conversation with Frederick Janka, our Executive Director and artist, Ruth Pastine. Ruth Pastine received her BFA from the Cooper Union for the Advancement of Science and Art New York City, and upon graduating was awarded an independent residency grant to the Garrett Rietveld Academy, Amsterdam in the Netherlands. She received her MFA from Hunter College of the City University of New York. In 2014, Ruth had her first museum survey exhibition entitled Attraction 1993 to 2013 at the Museum of Art and History Lancaster with exhibition catalog essays by Donald Cuspit and Peter Frank. In 2015, she opened Present Tense, Paintings and Pastel Works on Paper, 2010 to 2015, at the Carnegie Art Museum, Oxnard. Pastine's works are included in the permanent collection of San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, the Achenbach Foundation for Graphic Arts, Fine Art Museums of San Francisco, the Museum of Art History Lancaster, the Frederick R. Weissman Art Foundation, among others. Ruth Pastine lives and works currently in Southern California. Thanks, Ruth. So we started in your studio. Yes. And um, uh, our friends at Porch Gallery Ojai, Lisa and Heather, had invited me to visit Ruth in her studio. And I walked in and it was immediately struck by, by this painting. And by seeing so many of her paintings in her studio and really it, the, the energy, the, they were vibrating. They were, there was so much um, that just struck me and I think you saw it on my face. Um, it, it was a very visceral reaction. And uh, through our conversations that sort of evolved into like, what would it be to just take one painting in, in a space and just spend time with it, come back to it, look at it in different light. We have some really beautiful evening light here actually that has just, I've just been enjoying. Um, so that's really how that, how that first conversation started. And I think really once, at least from what you've shared with me previously, which I'd love for you to elaborate on, but sort of once we then turned the space over to Ruth to, to use and to be in here, I think that opened up sort of mental space for you to do some new things. So do you want to, do you want to talk about that? Yes. Uh, thank you, Freddie. Um, I was I was um, very struck by uh, Freddie's response to the work in the studio and um, and his connection um, specifically to this singular painting um, and more so um, the opportunity to be in residence, which uh, came right in the aftermath of the fires, which was quite traumatic. Um, because it entered our property. And Freddie uh, just said, you know, in residence can be whatever you want it to be. <laughs> it was sort of a, a conceptual opportunity to evolve um, a project or, or just to meditate and contemplate on a singular painting, which I really appreciated um, that it was so open-ended. Mm -hmm. um, but 
the sheer notion of in residence, I just felt like I was offered this opportunity to transcend the trauma uh, that I was in and after um, <clears throat> coming back to the studio. And it was the catalyst uh, that generated six new pastels, uh, three of which are um, cited here at the foundation and the first three which are at the gallery, the porch gallery. Um, just that notion of in residence was this um, mental space and a philosophical space to, uh, to dream and to uh, contemplate um, a sort of hope and renewal beyond uh, what the trauma of the fire was. And so the first series are all black and gray, um, uh, taking a look internally at just the devastation of what the landscape of Ojai had become and then the second series are bringing in uh, more of this luminous light for hope and renewal, which we cited uh, here, which I think just are very poignantly uh, installed with the blue painting. Yeah, and I'll also add then we have a um, fourth uh, piece uh, joining this experience, uh, which is the blue pastel in the back of the room. And now, from what I recall, that is from 2011. And so that was then the first of a series of pastels, correct? Right. That then led to these works. So, um, you know, I like to say that we have sort of a, a little mini survey here of, um, of Ruth's um, a little yeah. micro-museum survey. Of it, well, it, it was the last interesting, thing. the thread. Mm -hmm. Um, that um, uh, Freddie's response to the blue painting, and then um, I wanted to share where the banding had come from in the paintings, and it was really generated by um, my process and going back to working with pastel on paper and this granular uh, powder chalk medium, and how the limitation of that not being fluid at all really generated the opportunity to take stock of this limitation as an opportunity. And so rather than um, avoid what that limitation was, I saw that I could actually heighten the light and spatial interplay that I already am invested in, in working in paint with loaded wet brushes, but this sort of enhanced uh, that visceral dynamic within the work. And a year later, after concentrating on a quite a large body of pastels, it came back into painting in 2013 with the Interplay series. And uh, this particular painting, um, I think, uh, just shares the beginning of that generation of of um, experience. Thank you, Ruth. Um, so we're starting to talk a little bit about technique, but before we go sort of deeper into that, um, in some of our conversations, I've asked you also about how you, uh, in, in sort of getting to know your work and reading about your work and seeing 
um, and seeing more of your work, it's often associated with light and space artists as the California art movement is known. Um, and, but would you tell us a little bit more about where, because you come from the East Coast, you know, that's very much a California-specific movement, really responsive to uh, new technology in uh, paints and the um, aeronautics industry and space and car paint and, you know, that whole car genre. Paint. So it's very, it was a very California moment. But, you know, you do share some hallmarks, but you're coming from, you're coming from the East Coast, you're coming from a sort of different um, historical context, also in terms of influence. Mm -hmm. So if you would talk a little, share a little bit more about some of those and why we like the black squares. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, um, I grew up in New York City and um, my formal education in Manhattan, um, my formal education um, going to art high school, a magnet art high school, um, high school of music and art, which was in Harlem at the time, um, uh, was augmented by go growing up in MoMA and the Met and the Whitney and the Guggenheim. And um, my, I think uh, the work of um, Kazimir Malevich and um, suprematism in particular was uh, one of my earliest influences as a very young girl, that white on white square. And, um, and then uh, post-war abstraction. Um, and I was sharing with Heather and Lisa in terms of process that um, and minimalism. I really was coming of age, uh, attending Cooper Union for my BFA. Um, minimalism was really uh, sort of the zeitgeist of the moment and very influenced by the principles of Dan Flavin um, and, um, uh, and, and also um, sort of the essentialist aspects of Donald Judd, um, Walter D. Maria, and um, and I think those influences were uh, very prevalent in my formal education, but also my process in the studio. And although I've been exhibiting with the light and space artists for years, exhibiting in Southern Northern California, I didn't really learn or know about the light and space movement until much later on, and uh, more significantly since moving to California 16 years ago. But I've been exhibiting um, for over 21 years in California. And so what was it about the light and space of California that you encountered that yeah, actually, um, you know, my, my visits to come out to my exhibitions, um, I, I started to notice that um, uh, it was the actual space and light of Southern California more so than Northern California. There was this vast expanse, this exhale uh, that I experienced. And once um, Gary and I moved to Southern, back to Southern California, um, 
I realized the impact of that very visceral experience, which I think Freddie keyed in on when he came to visit the studio. And it just heightened the not only the optical experience within the work, but also my explorations in with color relativity. They became much less intellectualized and much more visceral. And so it was a combination of um, uh, meeting my colleagues who I exhibit with, uh, several of the light and space artists, but more so my experience of myself in the space and light and that vast expanse and um, my early influences, I think of, um, and my interests in Claude Monet mm -hmm. and his serial investigations. Well, and I think that leads a little bit into the spiritual. So do you want to talk about how you, how you look at the spiritual or how you're engaging with that? Yes, more? thank you. Um, uh, so much to share. Um, <laughs> um, it, my, my, um, I, early on, um, I, my, um, um, I, I'm really invested in very core essentialism and um, I think the principle of minimalism certainly plays a part in that, but I think it has a more spiritual earlier underpinnings from um, uh, Kandinsky and the relationship to pure geometry. And um, from very early on um, in high school and attending the High School of Music and Art, I just saw this need stripping away to get to the core and the essentialism of my work and my process. And um, it was sort of this di dialogue between geometry and color. And, and I really experienced color very mystically, very spiritually. It's, um, it's very actual. Uh, and, and certainly core geometry, which I keep revisiting in new ways. Um, the square certainly is um, the most dominant of the formats that I work with, but it's led to the double square and then the vertical and then the double horizontal. Um, and now I've introduced, um, and all along, these were always approached as centers. So the circle in the square, and now um, the diamond, the square on point. Um, they've all they've all been generated um, through the process itself, through the process of painting or the process of working on paper. Which we'll get into right now with technique, which I think there's some really exciting things to share. But I just want to share too something that you you told me was that. Um, when you were a young girl as well in the room you shared with your sister, I believe, right? That um, uh, your mother's boyfriend had created this desk for you, this custom table that ran along the side of her room, and that was your space. Yes. And that was really still this formative space for the Ruth Pastine that we're sitting with right now. <laughs> you know, um, yes, thank you, Freddie. Um, I have to uh, say that um, it, uh, Lou Petuto uh, gave me, I think, one of the Thanks best gifts <laughs> anybody could ever give anybody, and that was the opportunity to discover myself. And growing up in the East Village in New York City, 
um, in in those early years, uh, the 60s, 70s, um, in a small apartment. Um, my it was a drafting table to my dreams, and it was across the uh, one side of the room, which was my space, and um, and that was the opportunity to begin my explorations, my investigations, my contemplations. It was a place for meditation and for self, and um, and so uh, and and had an incredible view out the window of the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, <laughs> Uh, and but um, I didn't realize then, at the age of seven, uh, that that was my first studio, and I never, I, I never lived without a studio after that. Um, even and and interesting that the pastels um, and the opportunity to be in residence, which you offered me, um, are generated on a you know drafting table. Um, the opportunity to investigate the subjectivity of my investigations, but I really see uh, the universality of, of the work. Yeah, so let's, um, yeah, I think you do have a very special technique, and, and I, I'd love to hear more, too, about this, you know, sort of your personal kind of color theory, too, because I know there's a lot of, um, you know, with the blue painting, when you come up to visit it you can see along the edges that there's just this there's this kind of um reveal of an orange underpinning underpainting right and that, and that you and i remember with your red paintings it's right. always about green as well so right. you have these kind of um these color stories that that continue to be investigated so i think maybe take us a little bit on a journey into sort of what it is to to come into one of these one of these paintings. Yeah, all the paintings are um, focused on the um, comp the three complementary color systems. So uh, the austerity of that limitation of two colors. So every blue painting is only composed with blues and orange as its complement. And so the blues that I get and the other colors that you may think you're seeing are always um, uh, evolved and resolved from the intermediary, both the admixture of the complements, um, but also um, the optical resolve of seeing these side by side. Um, likewise, the red paintings are all created with uh, the complementary of green and the yellows with the complementary of violet. And likewise, depending if I focus uh, the series on the primary or secondary, you might see the violets, the greens, and the oranges as dominant. But my explorations are really furthered by the limitations of those very finite means and really reference um, my philosophical interests in having um, uh, the limitations being the opportunity for greatest exploration. And although they seem finite, it's this dynamics between the known of those color systems and the format of the canvas surface uh, that are the givens that I begin with. But all else is what I discover. 
along the way. So they're very open-ended. And um, I remember a conversation with Heather sharing, there's a lot of um, discovery and the process is very uh, gestural and expressive, but they resolve in this very minimal uh, format. Uh, yeah, so, you know, just think about that for a second. Though. The limitations. You, 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 no, I mean, you, you look at this and, and the, you know, from your gestures and what you were just saying, you know, I can just imagine you're kind of wild in the studio. Um, but then, you know, it's almost like this arc, right, where you sort of end up coming to this resolution. Very of, poetic. Yeah. Yes, that's beautifully said. It, you know, the I think it says it, the known quantities are as important as the journey to the resolve of what the paintings become. And really the awe of why I get up and re-enter the studio every day. I'm as inspired by the limitations that I begin with um, as the journey to discover how these finite means will always deliver new work. And with each new series, uh, different systems evolve, different explorations happen. And um, uh, but what's essential is to be very present in the moment. Um, the paintings and the pastels um, are really created by being available to seeing the door to the new work. And so it is this uh, reciprocity between the known and the unknown, um, between the given and the discovery. Uh, between what is predetermined and what is uncertain. The, the pastels can be a little more idiosyncratic in color. Um, the limitations of that powder pastel medium, I do approach them differently because um, they're built up with layers, but um, how I use the material, they don't flow like paint. And, and so I'm not really... Um, mixing them as much as juxtaposing um, the medium up against each other. There is some mixing with layering, but it's limited. And if I recall, you're also using your fingers. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not so much drawings as rubbings. And so um, uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's a very sensual process. Um, well, now that we're in studio with you um, going through a piece with you um, uh, what are you listening to oh um, <laughs> well that that opens um, an interesting conversation about um, notes and spaces uh, which I which the banding has also brought into the paintings um, I really think of you know, the strokes uh, are first notes, but then of course they become spaces. And I'm fascinated that um, these loaded wet brushes uh, are first marks, but then dissipate. They're, they're actually matter on surface, but they dissipate into light and space, um, which is, you know, I approach light and space with very traditional means of oil paint on canvas. So I am not a classical light and space artist. I'm also not from that generation or using uh, those materials or means. But um, 
I do think the uh, relationships and the principles are very correlated. Um, so, um, um, yeah, these are all created um, with thousands of brush strokes that um, I built up layer upon layer, and they're all complete layers. So I'm constantly um, observing and moderating um, how uh, this coalesces into these seamless surfaces. Um, uh, for the most recent work, to get back to your question, I'm really fascinated um, by Stravinsky right now and um, was speaking with Heather and Lisa about um, my interest in symphonic orchestra uh, music, although I am not talented in any way, can't play or sing, um, but um, I, am, I, I love, um, I listen, and I do love uh, that dynamics of having the singularity of, of, of a voice, of an instrument, and how it, um, its participation in the hall for the greater sound of the piece. Totally, and I think it's almost, you know, I see that awe of, of, all, that, of all that energy and the, that disparate voices coming together as well as, as sort of parallel to you and your process and sort of, I get the sense that you're almost still awed by the journey um, to making in making a piece, or, or what, I am. or how it, you know, how and, and it comes also about. in that that music I, being one of the most or the most abstract medium of the arts um, is um, created with twelve notes, and yet we have centuries of such different music. I'm 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 just fascinated by uh, that process as well, and um, how. Um, how the finite generates the infinite. Mm -hmm. that's a, I think that's a, a really nice way to actually kind of tie things up here. Um, I want to just throw this out to the room to see if anybody has any any questions. Um, we'll take a couple questions and then continue with our opening reception. So I don't know if anybody has any thoughts. Lisa? Is the struggle there even after knowing the systems is that every body of Um, yes, there is, um, because I think the um, uh, the sublime, the presence of terror and beauty, always uh, pre presents me with that struggle. Um, I'm I'm uh, I'm very passionately invested in the work, um, and so um, it, I'm, and so um, I. I do love the struggle. I relish in the struggle, um, but um, certain pieces do resolve uh, more quickly than others. Um, and so uh, certain series are fraught with more physical and actual, uh, with more difficulties in process, in making. Others are more fraught with the ideology that I approach the series with um, and um, and and so um, it depends on that particular body of work but I'm really happy that you mentioned that because um, my uh, readings on Edmund Burke 
and my interests in color theory, um, they do present uh, a rigor, uh, an intellectual rigor and a rigor in process that I do bring to each series and to my investigations in the studio. When I look at your work, I keep on, um, I don't know why, but I keep on um, um, coming back to your body, if you will. And I'm wondering how invested you are physically, internally, as it's coming outward while you're rubbing, which is very tactful, tactful or painting, you know. Um, the physicality of the, physicality the, of, the making. Of, of the actual movement that yeah. you're doing. I'm not sure that's connected to the end product. Um, the, the, the paintings are very... Physical. I, I mean, they 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 start out at very. They're almost more in parallel to expressionism because um, you know if you saw my painting wall, it's just splattered with paint. They're they're very loose. They're very open. And if you can imagine uh, working with you know five to seven to ten loaded wet brushes simultaneously, and so much of I do begin with mixing on my palette, but so much of what occurs happens on the surface of the painting. So these are uh, both uh, meditation and a real physical workout. I mean, I get covered. Uh, so you're actually moving your body. Yes. I see you as almost like dancing. Well, that's, as, that's as beautiful. You, creative stuff. Um, well, I, I shared recently um, because uh, Lisa said somebody asked, um, the, the geometry of the work is all found. I find this uh, physically, I mean, I have, um, I think, uh, a pretty good sense of the structure and balance, but all of that is found through the process of painting. And so the rigor of keeping a canvas wet into wet uh, simultaneously does demand a lot of uh, physical intensity. Some of the paintings are, you know, eight and a half, nine feet high, and some are nine feet square. So, um, yeah, they're they're. Yeah, and and you know, not to mention that uh, they demand that I'm up and down on a ladder all day. So there's also um, that that requirement. I have a comment to make, having watched you paint. I, I think of them as muscular meditation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and actually, the more um, I pursue um, meditation, um, it is a real uh, determined investigation. It's, it, um, it demands uh, a lot from your, from your mind to let go. Bob, uh, well, do you have a question? Yeah, Ruth, um, on your painting, I wanted you to talk a little bit about your stretcher and your technique, um, the beveled edge and how the, the, the stretcher kind of disappears and how do you think about the painting as an object or not an object? Well, um, it, uh, I, I really think of them more as the opportunity for experience. And um, over years, I was noticing that um, that edge, that perpendicular edge to the wall uh, was sort of something that you had to ignore or address. And I was um, uh, coming up with ideas of how to um, uh, deal with that edge. 
um, and uh, luckily um, was introduced to master craftsman uh, who is no longer with us, but would like to uh, 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 mention my stretcher maker, Craig Stratton, who helped evolve uh, the beveled canvas with me. I had had the idea, but certainly I didn't know how to manufacture it and have it also give their rigorous torque to support the canvas. So um, we evolved it together and I saw it, this as an opportunity to release the painting, the experience of the painting from the wall. It also creates such wonderful shadow effects and uh, the, the lighting, uh, but just to, um, with different lights of day, Freddie and I have been sitting in uh, the foundation and watching the light change. The object just has um, just this other presence on the wall with the changing light of day. And so I think your mind is also released from having to engage in that perpendicular white edge uh, with the bevel. Um, have a lot of determination. <laughs> um, uh, you know, um, I think that um, uh, we, we all have to find um, that, that thing, that one thing that excites us. We, we might not know what it is, and it might not be um, what it becomes. But I think um, uh, the, through the process of discovery of what, uh, what we do to transcend um, um, and to engage that brings us joy, that brings us happiness, that brings us sort of to another place of engagement um, is something to recognize and harness and hold on to. Um, you know, I have two children of my own, and I wondered um, if, you know, being the son and daughter of an artist, how that was going to translate. I've had to make a lot of sacrifices uh, to, um, to keep uh, my process going. There, you know, there, it's sort of, there have been times of feast and famine. Um, it, um, and um, what, I have always encouraged them to do, and others that I've spoken to in classrooms that I've visited, uh, we used to invite the younger classrooms to come to the studios, is that not to judge what excites you, um, because that, that enthusiasm for whatever that thing is, is a door and an on-ramp to something else. Um, for me, it, you know, it was drawing and creating um, 
Um, but um, I can see how my children's interests, I mean, my son started out thinking he wanted to be an athlete and it was his dedication and perseverance to that, to the rigor of sports that has now led him into the arts, into wanting to be an actor, performance artist. So you don't know how, um, how these moments of, uh, that excite you will translate, but to recognize them and um, that they are potential to your on-ramp, to your future. Um, that you might not even know at that moment. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much, and thank you for your time. A pleasure. Thank you for coming.